going back to Daniel Jones, it shouldn't come as a shock. It also doesn't mean that the Giants are 100% going to ride it out with him. Uh, Shane and, and Dayball obviously know that their careers are hitched to Jones at this point, and if they don't believe in that long term, they need to get off that course immediately. Uh, Tyrod is headed into the offseason. He's likely to be a free agent. Maybe he gets another chance to start somewhere. I certainly hope that he does. I think he deserves it. Tommy DeVito is the only other quarterback under contract. Daniel Jones is coming off a serious neck injury, his second in, in three years. He's got a torn ACL that he needs to work his way back from. Potentially more damage in that knee. I know that hasn't been revealed, but there's a lot of question marks at the quarterback position. So as Shane said, there's there's no alternative but to go out and, and find a quarterback, whether it be in free agency or the draft. <laughs> Hey there, and welcome in to the Giants Wire podcast. Ryan O'Leary here, as usual, playing host, joined by Giants Wire managing editor Dan Benton, a.k.a. the great Danton. This podcast, powered by the USA Today Network, available on whatever platform you love most, including Apple, Spotify, Google. Go ahead and rate, review, and if you haven't already, subscribe. That's the best way you can support us, and we appreciate you all. Hi, Dan. Go ahead. Your Giants. Beat my Patriots. Have at it. The floor is yours. I got I got nothing to say. I got nothing to say this week. Oh, boy. It's hard to tease you too bad because that was one of the ugliest games of football I've ever seen in my life. But, bad. but the bottom line is, is Tommy Cutlet is 2-0 and as a starter in New York. How you doing? It is absolutely stunning to me that the Giants have a smarter, and I'll just flat out say it, right now, as we speak, a better quarterback in Tommy DeVito <laughs> than anyone on the Patriots roster. That is something, Dan, even to we're, we're midweek now after the game. I still can't wrap my head around it, but I, I feel like the Giants, I was even texting you. I'm like, why don't they throw it over the middle? That's what the page, the Patriots want you to throw outside the numbers. Cause that's lower percentage stuff. That's what Belichick's been doing that for two decades, but the Giants have figured it out. Every ball is like horizontal or outside the numbers, right? Dan rarely it harms way when it's in the air. DeVito, a sack's better than a turnover. I'll take those sacks. Stats don't matter. Just win baby. I mean, I don't know if it's a, it's, it might be a flawed formula, but it's it's working for the Giants, so whatever. It's a formula. I don't know if the Patriots have a formula, so I'd rather have a formula than not a formula. You know what I mean? Yeah, listen, I got to give DeVito credit. Like, uh, you know, before he took over as the starter, I, I think we fairly questioned what the Giants were going to get out of him because, you know, listen, this is a guy they didn't trust initially. He wasn't allowed to throw the ball in his, in his first couple yeah, of years. It was mind-blowing, yeah. And, it was, and when he did, it was like, oh, this is ugly. The strides that he has made in just a few weeks is stunning. It really is genuinely stunning. And I think, you know, there's some level of confidence that that kind of is being built that attributes to that a little bit. But, you know, there's the adrenaline, there's the momentum, there's just the viral nature of everything that is currently Tommy DeVito, which is absolutely just beyond entertaining. I'm going to be honest. It's just it's so much fun uh, right now with Tommy DeVito, considering how bad this season has been otherwise. And he wasn't perfect on Sunday. There's no there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. But he didn't turn the ball over, which is key. Well, he fumbled. They attributed the fumble to him, which I think is foolish. Yeah. I don't really think that was his fault. I think that was Robinson's fault. But that's, you know, that's splitting hairs, basically. He didn't turn the ball over. He did take some sacks that he shouldn't have taken. But I'd rather have him take the sacks than turn the ball over. Um, his processing needs to speed up. It's it's clearly an issue, but he's an undrafted rookie quarterback, so you can't really fault him on that too bad, especially given the fire that he was thrown into. But the bottom line is he's doing enough to win. He's being a good game manager, and he's got a few big throws that he can make here and there throughout the game. He trusts his wide receivers. He trusts Jalen Hyatt. 
Uh, kudos to the coaching staff for finally increasing Hyatt's role on the offensive side of the ball. Um, he's a factor. That's just all there is to it. And when you've got a guy that's going to just be comfortable enough to throw it up to him, good things are going to happen. Uh, and so far, so good. Listen, they haven't played, you know, world beaters over the last two weeks. Obviously, a Washington team that they traditionally dominate and a Patriots team who, no offense, buddy, they're, re- they're really Putrid. bad. <laughs> they're Putrid. really, they're really bad. Um, uh, you know, especially at the quarterback position, they're, they're absolutely terrible. But a win's a win, and it's hard to win in the NFL. And so far, Tommy DeVito has done only that. No, on one sideline, you got DeVito strutting his stuff out there, strutting around, and you got Mac Jones trying to hold back tears on the other sideline. It's just like, oh God, Mac Jones, my goodness! I texted during the game, "What is this dude doing?" He's he's a pumpkin. Uh, there were, there were some, yep. yeah, it's crazy. There were a couple throws where I'm just like, "What the hell is this guy actually thinking? Like, what is he possibly seeing on the field right now?" Mentally and physically shot, he has been. He hasn't been right since week four, Dan, the Cowboys game. Uh, when he had two turnovers for touchdowns, they got blown out 38 to three. And then he came back the next week at home against the Saints. And we all know the Saints and the Giants are going to play them in, in a few weeks here. Uh, the Saints are mediocre at best. They're not a good team. The Saints beat the Patriots 34 to nothing in Foxborough. It was very clear. And Mac was terrible in that game, too. He had another pick six. It was very clear mentally, physically, he was shot. His footwork was screwed up. He was just completely shot. And Dan, he has inexplicably started every game since the Cowboys game. The Pats are one in six in those games, and they're averaging 11.6 per game on off, uh, points per game. I'm sorry, on offense. And like I said, the kid's all but crying on the sideline, begging to be taken out and relieved of his duties. And Belichick keeps, keeps saying, nope, get back out there. I don't know what's going on with the Patriots, but... That is not our That's lead story. Crazy. That is not our lead story here on the Giants Wire podcast. <laughs> That's one for Jordy McElroy and Patriots Wire. We'll get to that well, one later. I, I will I will Go wrap ahead. it up with with some wild stats. Did you see what Mac Jones's QBR was for the game? I I I think I blacked out everything from the game already. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> it was it was seven point two. And you know why that's significant? Because, because if you Tommy didn't throw DeVito, one. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. Tommy DeVito's QBR was seven point four. <laughs> what so may make sense of that make sense of that for me well i mean i don't think the giants score a point if they don't get those turnovers <laughs> you know what i mean oh, that's yeah i mean how, that's yeah. the way it's been the last yeah. few weeks but still yeah. i mean to watch to watch what mac jones did compared to and again tommy devito wasn't world beater but to watch what mac jones did and then to watch what tommy devito did and to see them essentially given the same qbr it's why some of these stats and analytics i i just i think are absolute garbage throw that one out the window DeVito is way better. I mean, he, at least he understands how to protect the freaking football. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I would take Tommy DeVito over Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi. I promise you that. I promise you that. I'm, I'm, all, in on, I'm all in on DeVito Mafia here. Yeah. Uh, but I want to talk about another quarterback, Dan. Let's talk about Daniel Jones. Uh, I think one of the lead stories from Giants headquarters here heading into the bye is Joe Shane having his his bye week meeting with the media. Dropped some interesting lines about a, a few different topics, but you know, obviously the line that's going to be the lightning rod is, quote, the expectation is when Daniel Jones is healthy, he'll be our starting quarterback. More from Shane. I've seen it. You all saw him last season. The guy won 10 games. He won a road playoff game for the Giants. You saw the preseason. I just think we got punched in the nose early on. We dug ourselves a hole and we weren't able to get out of it. I still believe in Daniel. Uh, certainly does not mean that the Giants aren't going to address the quarterback position in the draft or free agency. Dan, it, actually, I think Shane basically told us that they were definitely going to do that. But the Giants kind of throwing their weight behind Daniel Jones is an interesting one. I mean, it doesn't really mean anything, right? I mean, they could change their mind. I mean, this is the NFL. But what do you think about those comments by Shane kind of uh, saying, hey, 
DJ still our guy. I don't think it's a surprise. I don't think it's controversial. I am surprised that there was surprise. I know that Giants fans have it in their heads that they're right on Daniel Jones and everyone else has been wrong. Um, but again, we've talked about it on this show. It's multiple general managers. It's multiple head coaches. It's multiple offensive coordinators. It's multiple quarterback coaches. And it's multiple different you know, pieces of personnel around them who believe in this kid. And this season, he regressed. There's no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. His, his processing was an issue, just as it's been with all Giants quarterbacks this season. That can be attributed somewhat to the offensive line, but not entirely. Um, you know, these guys are get beat up pretty good. They're on pace for almost the all-time record in sacks allowed. They're only a couple short, and they're doing everything they can to make sure they break that record. So it's hard to function in those particular, in those particular situations. And I know people want to argue the point that you know Tommy DeVito has been able to produce at a higher level than Daniel Jones has but the actual EPA values on that doesn't doesn't add up it doesn't it doesn't suggest what the eye test says actually Tommy DeVito's EPA um, is lower than Daniel Jones's which is which is amazing because they're actually the two bottom quarterbacks in the NFL in EPA right now um but again, you know, going back to Daniel Jones, it shouldn't come as a shock. It also doesn't mean that the Giants are 100% going to ride it out with him. Uh, Shane and, and Dayball obviously know that their careers are hitched to Jones at this point, and if they don't believe in that long term, they need to get off that horse immediately. Uh, Tyrod is headed into the offseason. He's likely to be a free agent. Maybe he gets another chance to start somewhere. I certainly hope that he does. I think he deserves it. Tommy DeVito is the only other quarterback under contract. Daniel Jones is coming off a serious neck injury, his second in, in three years. He's got a torn ACL that he needs to work his way back from. Potentially more damage in that knee. I know that hasn't been revealed, but there's a lot of question marks at the quarterback position. So as Shane said, there's there's no alternative but to go out and, and find a quarterback, whether it be in free agency or the draft. If it is the draft, it's going to be depending on you know depending on where they select. Right now, they're at number five. But they're actually trending in the in the sort of wrong direction for the the Caleb Williams Drake May you know uh, sweepstakes right now. So it'll be interesting to see how play, things play out. But you know it does it's not a surprise that they committed to Daniel Jones as their potential starter when he's healthy. Um, even if they do draft a, a top quarterback, I still think Jones is going to get the nod when he's healthy. I, I don't think that's really much of a surprise. I think we talked about it last week on this show. Maybe go back to the traditional approach of you know. Uh, letting the, the rookie sit for a bit. You know, I know that's not really the way that they do that these days, especially with the money investment. Uh, but maybe that's the approach that the Giants take, especially with Jones on a rather massive contract next year. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, how many of these quarterbacks picked high in the first round are just flaming out left and right? Uh, could go back to oh, yeah. the Mac Jones draft. He's not the only one from mm-hmm. that class. Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Mac Jones. Who knows if the Bears might move on from Justin Fields, although I kind of like Fields, but... Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it is kind yeah. of a crapshoot. Shane referenced the 2018 NFL draft, but you can really pick any one. Like when it comes to first round quarterbacks, these these experts, the, you know, the general managers, the scouts, et cetera, are actually wrong more often than they're right on these guys. And you could just go back to the, you know, to the draft uh, when Jones was taken, you know, leading up to that draft, the big talk was that, you know, Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, uh, Baker Mayfield, these were the guys that the Giants needed to get because they were the long-term, you know, success stories that were going to be there were the next Peyton Mannings and Dan Marinos and Joe Montana's, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, very clearly that did not work out. 
Yes, very clearly. So yeah, I mean, if if Jones can prove that he's healthy and especially, you know, for week one and you could still draft a guy, start developing the succession plan, uh, I think that's that's a pretty good plan, but we'll have to see how that plays out. Tyrod, another interesting little storyline. He's coming back uh, from the injury or what injured reserve, Dan. He's coming back, so we could talk about that here later on as well. Um, I, so, but I do want to get to the Jay Glazer report because this one is a it's another oh, big yeah. story with the Giants. Jay Glazer, Fox Sports, famous Dan, right? He's famous for these Sunday morning news drops. These are not this is not random. Jay Glazer goes on his show on Sunday mornings and he drops news and he's got his people and he's usually in the know, right? And he dropped a, he dropped something that said, you know, he dropped a little report that said in terms of Brian Dayball and defensive coordinator Wink Martindale, he said, these guys are in a bad place, bad place to the point where I don't see them actually continuing their relationship after the season, maybe not even during the season, could be a mutual parting of ways. When I talk to people inside that organization, they're saying the tension between these two you could feel it, and it's just getting worse. Those comments by Glazer, Dayball has shot it down. The players have really shot it down as well. Dayball said something like, the only argument we get in, we we have is over the last pizza pizza, right? And some of the players repeated that too in the in the locker room. So that's that's the company line. We're just our, we're just fighting over food over here, food scraps. We're not fighting over anything else. We're boys. But I I don't know. It, to me, Dan, Glazer. Not typically a BSer, even though the Giants are saying it's a bunch of BS. And I, I just, it's been a rough season for the Giants. Would you be surprised if these guys were kind of sick of each other or other guys in the in the room were sick of each other? I wouldn't at all. You know what I mean? In this kind of season, that's what happens. So uh, that's kind of where I'm at on it. But what do you think about this whole thing? Wink, Dayball, the Glazer Report, yeah. them shooting it down. Glazer having a pretty good reputation, though, with these things, Dan. What do you think? I challenge anyone to tell me a report that Jay Glazer has gotten 100% factually incorrect ever. I mean, literally ever. If Jay Glazer reports something, that something is true to at least some degree. Uh, you know, and it's not the first time that we actually had heard this about Wink and, and Dayball. There was some discussion, a report uh, several weeks ago, Fox Sports, Ralph Vacciano reported that um, it was very likely that that Wink and Kafka were both gone after the season. Uh, now, he didn't go into any great detail on any kind of rift between Wink and Dayball, but that's something that we've all seen with our very own eyes. I know the Giants, Wink and Dayball, all insisted that their viral spat that lasted over the course of halftime was nothing more than conversation about coverages, but that was a pretty intense and long extended conversation about coverages. Yep. Um, it wasn't the normal football activity like everybody wanted to pretend it was. And Although the Giants and the coaches and the players have all shot this down as nonsense, uh, you know, there have been multiple reports since then, one in The Athletic, uh, another in New Jersey Advanced Media, and even more recently, our buddies at Talking Giants, Bobby and Justin, had ESPN's Jordan Ronan on their show just yesterday. We're recording this on Wednesday. They had him on on Tuesday, I believe it was, and he confirmed Glazer's report almost outright that there is an issue between the two of them and that expectations are that Wink will be shown the door at the end of the season. So, you know, people can believe whatever they want to believe. That is a common trait, not just in the football world, but just in society these days, whatever someone believes is the truth. But the truth is what Jay Glazer reported. And I find that unfortunate because, you know, the Giants have a lot of problems. Wink Martindale is not one of those problems. So that's not a, not, not a particularly good look. 
And I thought the optics after the game this past week were rather foolish. Uh, I know to the naked eye, it was this wonderful story and, oh, these guys love each other. That's not the way that I interpreted that. Are you talking about the game ball in yes. the locker room? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't see that until you guys had it embedded in your Giants Wire article, Dan. I didn't, I didn't see that when I saw it. I was like, oh, what are you guys doing? That is so staged. Give me a break. But no, I, you have a good take on this. Why do you think that was so uh, – why, why are you rolling your eyes at that, Dan, so much? Well, mainly because of what happened the week prior. You know, the Giants' defense – they completely dominated. It was their best performance of the entire season, all right? They they completely browbeat the Washington Commanders in, right. in every single aspect. They won that game because of Wink Martindale. And after that game, the game ball was given to Xavier McKinney, who then broke down the team at Dayball's request, which came just immediately after the whole exchange between, you know, Xavier McKinney and Wink Martindale that played out publicly where, you know, McKinney expressed this grief with the coaching staff, particularly Wink, even though he didn't name them specifically about how they don't listen to the players, which, you know, when approached by Wink, McKinney couldn't come up with an answer as to what the problem was and Wink threw him under the bus, which, listen, I don't think that was the best decision in the world by Wink, not at all. I've never seen him do that before. I wouldn't recommend that he ever do it again. But the fact that Dayball then had McKinney who also was in the wrong in that particular situation for venting that stuff publicly, you know, break down the team was a slap in Wink's face. So fast forward a week and the Giants defense again plays particularly well. Wink's unit did step up and, and win that game for the Giants, but the dominance wasn't nearly as, you know, it wasn't on the same tier as it was the week before. And I, I know, I know I'm kind of poking fun you a little bit here, but beating the you know, the Patriots and that offense, you, there's, it's not really something to write home about. I have no comebacks so if, for you, Dan, no comebacks yeah, at all. So, so listen, if he was going to give the game ball out of a show of grace to Wink Martindale, it should have come a week prior, not after Xavier McKinney did it. To me, the way that I interpreted that was, is the report came out that morning and the Giants just wanted to create better optics for themselves. So, you know, in a game that it wasn't necessarily as warranted as it was a week prior, you know, when he handed the player who had griped about Martindale the ball, he kind of just tossed Martindale the ball and said, good go, good going, good job, pat on the back. Good job, buddy. He literally said the word To me, it was, yeah, yeah. To me, it was like incredibly fake and dishonest of him, if I'm being honest. That's how I interpreted it. Yep, same here. You can read into that however you'd like, but I thought it was a little, that's a little contrived. You know what I mean? Just, uh, yeah, not quite on the whole there. Uh, But yeah, I mean, Look, how, how much are you really going to say? And he does, listen, game? he does give him, he does deserve the credit, but he's deserved the credit largely throughout the season. Mm-hmm. The Giants defense has been inconsistent and it's had down moments, no doubt about it, this season. You know, the two games against the Cowboys obviously stand out. The collapse against the Jets stands out. But when you look at the Giants' three units, the defense is not the major problem on the team. Wink Martindale is not the major problem on the team. The offense is historically bad. The special teams unit is historically bad. The the saving grace for the Giants this season, and particularly over the past two weeks, and really for all four of their wins, with the exception of the Arizona Cardinals game, which was on Daniel Jones, has been the reason they've been in the the position to win these games. That's that's what gave them the opportunity to win against the Bills. That's That's what gave them the opportunity to win against the Jets, even though they collapsed late. That's what won them the past two games. So... When, when you want to gripe about something, Wick Martindale in the defense, that's 
that's not the issue here. So that tells me, you know, from the outside looking in, that what Glazer is reporting is accurate because there's no reason to scapegoat Wink Martindale when he's the best thing that you have going as far as your coordinators. Yeah, and no, if you're if you're Mike Kafka, you must love that Wink's out here all over the place and all these headlines, and he's in the yeah, same stuff. with like, yeah, 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 same with McGahee. Yep. Listen, I thought that guy was on his way to becoming a head coach, but his special teams were not great last year, and they are they really they are horribly bad at times this year. So. Again, it, it's just to me, that's what makes me think it's just all for optics. It's just a show because, you know, if it wasn't, then then Wink would have gotten the game ball after the Washington game. And he certainly wouldn't be being drugged through the mud like he is right now when his, you know, cohorts, his 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 co-coordinators are, are clearly worse at their jobs than he is. Yeah, it's fascinating. I'm here for it, though. The infighting, all this crap with the Giants. Oh, it's it's just good eating, Dan, as always. And we got more to get to as well. And, and, to, and like, is there actually a quarterback controversy? We're not talking about Daniel Jones here. Is there a quarterback <laughs> controversy coming out of the bye week? We're going to get to that here coming up next and more. First, week 13 fantasy advice from thehuddle.com. Corey Bonini of thehuddle.com here to bring you fantasy football strong plays for week number 13. Quarterback Russell Wilson, Denver Broncos at Houston Texans. Wilson ran a season high 11 times in week 12, and he gets to take on a Texans defense that is allowing 20.8 fantasy points per game over the last four weeks. A quarterback has gone for at least 25 fantasy points in three straight against this defense, and six of the last seven contests have resulted in 21 or more fantasy points for the position. With six teams on bye, Wilson should be a fine play. Running back Ezekiel Elliott, New England Patriots versus Los Angeles Chargers. This one is short and sweet. Zeke is a reasonable flyer for a cheap touchdown against a feeble run defense in a week in which a half dozen franchises are on by. In the last five weeks, only four teams have given up a touchdown at a higher rate than the Chargers. Wide receiver Jahan Dotson versus the Miami Dolphins. Commanders receiver Terry McLaurin has posted one fantasy-relevant day in the last five weeks and we've seen Dotson rise in that time. The second-year receiver has a goose egg in that stretch, which cannot be overlooked, but he went for at least 10 PPR points in the other four outings, scoring three touchdowns along the way. The Dolphins have given up generally neutral numbers to the position in that same time frame, but we're looking at the seventh-weakest defense at limiting wide receiver scores in relation to receptions, which was the 11th most allowed since Week 7. Plus, there's a strong likelihood Washington will be forced to heave the ball all day long to keep pace. Tight end Dalton Schultz, Houston Texans versus Denver Broncos. Schultz has scored twice in the last five weeks, and his returns have been erratic, posting anything from 1.2 fantasy points all the way up to 29 in PPR scoring. The veteran's worst day with a target in 2023 came in week 12. Denver has allowed tight ends to run wild in the last five weeks. This is the second best matchup in both primary fantasy scoring systems, and all of the key fantasy metrics for scoring fall inside the top 10 in that span. Expect a big day from the former Dallas Cowboy. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. All right, Dan, we're, we're heading into the bye week here. Uh, as I mentioned before the break there, quarterback controversy, Brian Dayball now has to decide. With Tyrod Taylor, you know, on the mend and eligible to return in week 14. We don't know his practice reports and all that crap yet, but obviously he's eligible to return. So are we going to stick with touchdown Tommy DeVito, the Chicken Cutlet, Tommy, Tommy DeVito Mafia. I don't know what all the nicknames are yet, Dan, but there's plenty of them. Are we sticking with DeVito Mania? Or are we going back to Tyrod Taylor, assuming that he is indeed ready to roll for the Packers game on, on Monday Night Football, Dan? What should Brian Dayball do? We got a controversy. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Dayball was noncommittal. He wouldn't commit to leaving DeVito in as the starter. And I, I personally, I hate the situation 
because you've heard me talk about Tyrod Taylor ad nauseum on this this podcast. I think he's a hard luck quarterback who is an extremely talented guy who deserves better. And in a vacuum, uh, Dan, in a vacuum, who's better between Tyrod and DeVito? It's right, Tyrod right, Taylor, right? right? In a vacuum. But, he's a yeah, if, but go on. Object, like fairly objectively, Tyrod Taylor is a better quarterback than Tommy DeVito. And that's not a knock on Tommy DeVito. And it's not a, it doesn't, you know, cap or limit what he could become down the line. Agreed. But right now, the reality is that Tyrod Taylor is the better quarterback. And I believe he gives the Giants a better chance to win. And again, that's not me slamming Tommy DeVito because I'm having a field day with this touchdown Tommy, Tommy Cutlets thing. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a blast. It's the most entertaining thing that the Giants have had going on for them all season long. And he is winning and he is playing relatively well for the situation, for who he is, for the role that he got thrust into. And, I mean, that's fun, and you don't really want to demoralize a locker room that sort of rallied around this kid. But – and I, I'm not even guaranteeing that that would be the case, honestly, because this this locker room obviously loves Tyrod Taylor too. And they were praising Tyrod when he was in there playing. So it is a tough situation that the Giants have themselves in. The only thing that they can really do at this point is let these guys go out, practice, and compete, and then make the decision that you think is best for the team. And for me, as much as I love the DeVito story, I think that's Tyrod Taylor. All right. I'm I'm fascinated by that. I I agree 100% Tyrod's the better player, but I just feel like you're. it almost feels like bringing Tyrod in after you've got a little something going into the bye week, Dan, it almost feels like you're risking taking the air out of that balloon. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. And mm-hmm. I just, it'd be a different story if, if it was your guy like Daniel Jones was had a knee sprain and he's ready to come back. And you're not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, which we could talk about because that's all over the place. Giants not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. Uh, I know you have a take on that as well, Dan, which I'm, I'm <laughs> here for. But I, I think Tyrod's a better player in a vacuum. Yeah. I also think, I, I also kind of believe in my gut for some reason i don't really can't i can't explain it dan but i feel like i, I want to ride the devito train here uh yeah, he's getting get a little bit better each week you've somehow yeah. won back-to-back games with this kid the fans are absolutely loving it i mean i was stunned how many fans were in that stadium for giants patriots uh, again a putrid football game that was brutal and yeah, i watched the entire thing bad. i watched the entire thing screaming at my tv like the rest of us all right it was putrid though and every bad weather everyone's out there having a blast you know what i mean like it there's a little bit of buzz around the team you wrote about that on giants wire as well the season was lost uh it felt lost at least a month ago and now we got a little something here we got we got air in the balloon i don't want to let the air out if that makes sense so i i love tyrod taylor i think he's the better player i don't think i would mess though with what the giants have going dan i just that's just where my gut is yeah, it, it is difficult. It's one of those situations where it's like, if it's not broken, don't fix it. And, uh, you know, listen, they are riding the Tommy train right now, and the Tommy train is fun. The fans are having fun, and they're putting butts in the seats, which is a big deal because, you know, obvious reasons. I don't I don't need to drill down what we've seen this season and uh, why it's good for John Mara and Steve Tisch to have fans showing up at the stadium 83,000 deep this past weekend mm-hmm. for probably the worst football game of the entire season. Oh, yes, it was. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, there is something to be said for that. And what does it do, you know, for the whole team chemistry if they're riding the tummy train and all of a sudden he gets yanked out and tie rods put back in? I don't know. It's a tough decision. I don't envy, you know, Dayball in this decision. It's it's just tough. It's just tough all the way around because it's one of those things that could backfire greatly or, you know, 
and then what happens to Tommy? You leave Tommy in there, he goes in on prime time, and let's say he lays an egg, and then you yank him. It's true. What does Monday, that do for Monday his night, confidence? How Monday night football yeah. against the Packers. Yep. Exactly. So what you want to leave this undrafted rookie quarterback shaking like that, and you know he has one bad game, he loses his first start as a starter, and you yank him. I don't know. You know, that has potential pitfalls, too. So it is a tough decision. I mean, again, I'd like to see where Tyrod Taylor is in terms of his recovery, uh, where he is in terms of rust. The good thing is is he's got the bye week, so he'll have a little extra time, even though the Giants are off this week. Their players are off this week. Um, You know, it gives them, you know, that extra week to heal up. They get the extra day because they play on Monday Night Football. The game has not been flexed. The NFL decided they wanted to leave that in primetime for reasons I can't explain. Okay. (laughs) Um, So, you know, it it does. Tyrod does have plenty of time to get healthy and come back. But it's just it's about knocking off that rust and and making sure that whichever guy you put in there is what's best for the team. Because and this is a good segue because the Giants are still very much in the NFC playoff race at four and eight somehow. Yeah, no, I've I've seen this. Uh, I've seen this all over the place. Hey, don't don't count the Giants out. Mathematically, they're still there. The math says the Giants are still alive, and I'm just I, I just immediately dismissed it, Dan. I, I saw these headlines on like the real like newspapers, right? Like these are the, like newspapers. Real outlets are saying this. I think the Athletic had a report too. Oh, the Giants not mathematically eliminated yet by by a long shot, and I'm like. When they would have to go nine and eight. They would have to win the rest of their games, go nine and eight, sweep the Eagles to have any chance. Who's making the playoffs as a wild card team at below five hundred? It's not going to happen. And then I come on here with you this morning, Dan, and you tell me, <laughs> no, 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 not so fast. So, Dan, my initial reaction was those of you saying the Giants are still mathematically alive or really believe that they could still make the playoffs this year, like. Let's go. Let's hook up somewhere. Let's go to that dispensary that you're going to. I want the good stuff that you, you know what I mean? I want the, I want the good stuff because you clearly have the good stuff and I want some of that. Uh, but you're telling me that this morning, no, 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 Ryan, not so fast. So go ahead. Like you tell me why, Dan, I should believe that there's still a path because you know me, I will talk about a bad football team having a path to the playoffs all day long, but I'm mentally, I'm not even close to being there with this team, but you're, let's put it this way. You could be a lot closer when we get to the Packers game next week than you are right now, right? Based on what could happen here in week 13. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. It's hard to believe. But as things sit right now, just as they are, the Giants are two and a half games back of the seventh seed in the playoffs. The luxury that they have is that three of the teams ahead of them, the Green Bay Packers, the Los Angeles Rams, and the New Orleans Saints, are all on their schedule at the end of the season, towards the as they go down the stretch this season. So right there, they have an opportunity to crawl back into things. But it's not just that that made me say that to you. It was the reality of looking at the opponents and the schedules of those that are ahead of them currently in the playoff race, and the likelihood of how quickly they can get back into control of their own fate, which is, again, it is very hard to believe. And, you know, there are a couple other things that will need to happen other than what I'm about to outline. Uh, But it is realistic that going into next Monday night, the Giants have inched their way very close to having control of their own fate because what they need to happen this weekend. And I feel like if some of these things happen this weekend, I'll be much more inclined to talk about a path to the playoffs next week when we do this podcast but going into this weekend, they've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who they need to lose to the Panthers. That may not happen. 
the Los Angeles Rams, who need to lose to the Cleveland Browns, which is a very realistic possibility. The New Orleans Saints to lose to the Detroit Lions, which again is a very realistic possibility. The Minnesota Vikings to lose to the Las Vegas Raiders, which now that AP is in charge, is possible, certainly possible. I think so. And Green Bay to lose to the Kansas City Chiefs, who are angry right now, and that almost seems guaranteed. So if those things happen, Oh, excuse me. Minnesota, by the way, is not this weekend. That's that's next weekend. I, that's my my bad. But uh, because they do have a bye week this week too. But again, by the time the Giants play on Monday night next week, that game will have been played already. So if those things happen by the time the Giants kick off uh, on a on a Monday night, if they go in there and then beat the Green Bay Packers, I mean they're right there. Like they're right there. They're going to catapult up the the board, the playoff board. And they're going to be nipping on the heels of the Vikings and the Seahawks for those bottom two spots in the NFC playoffs. And again, they have games against the Rams and the Saints down the line from there, which are, you know, the Giants aren't great by any stretch of the imagination. But with the way their defense is playing, who knows? These are great. Yeah, these are great football teams on their schedule. Right. I I agree. Yeah. So, and and again, using the NFL playoff machine made available by ESPN, I'm sure everybody listening has probably used it. There is a scenario, and almost even a realistic scenario, if the Giants take care of their own business, that going into week 16 of this season, <laughs> the Giants have reassumed control of their own playoff fate. And, and you think, just to be clear, you think they could get in at less than 500 as a wild card there is a scenario, again, a million things would have to happen, but there is a scenario that I've run on the playoff machine where they can make the playoffs at seven and 10. <sighs> I know I it's just, crazy. I just can't, it's crazy. I, I just can't wrap my head around that, but that's, uh, so we could have two sub 500 teams. We could have a, a sub 500 wildcard team and whoever wins the NFC South. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's yeah. entirely possible. The conference. Yeah. The con- listen, the conference is trash. Like it there's is. no other way about it. The conference is just bad. And, you know, that's been the case with the Giants in the past where they're a bad team, but they're in a bad conference and they find their way into the playoff hunt late. Now, two weeks ago, it just would have been comical to have this conversation. I wouldn't have. I refused. As a matter of fact, we had that conversation and I said, no, we're not doing that. Right. Um, But now, again, following these two wins and the matchups this weekend and the matchups next weekend before they kick off on Monday night, if they fall in the Giants way and the Giants go out and win that game, the path to the playoffs becomes extremely realistic. Right? And, it, it, and, what, and they don't even need to beat the Eagles in either of those games to make that happen, which it's crazy, uh, and it would certainly help them if they did. But the way the schedule shakes up, the way the standings currently are, and the way things are trending, again, start of Week 16, the Giants very well could have control of their own playoff fate. I could see it. If they beat Green Bay and the Saints, um, then they're Which are winnable games. They're I think winnable so. games. I think so. And we'll, just, we'll, we'll go one at a time Monday night at home against Green Bay. Uh, so it'll be interesting. You'll be coming off a bye. You know, the crazier things have happened in the NFL. The Packers are, uh, they're okay, but they're not, they're not a great football team. Jordan they're looks, getting better. Yeah. They are getting better. They, they look pretty good on Thanksgiving. They put a good product out there on Thanksgiving, yep. and they knew how to beat the Lions, and they went after them. And really, you just got to attack them down the field, and, and that's what they did. So um, it'll be interesting to see. We'll have to we'll put a pin in this, Dan. We'll have to come back to this next week. This We'll, we'll, do, some, yeah. we'll do some Giants Wire well, it's, yeah. path it's talk. It's kind of crazy, though, because of all – Yeah, it's just – I can't even believe we're having this conversation. But 
I mean, really, if some of those teams lose, like the ones that I had outlined, the Giants are only going to be one back in the loss column by the time they kick off. It's potentially. Wild. Yeah. It is, so, it is wild. I mean, what what can happen from there? Who, who the hell knows? But, you know, I'm sure that inside that building, they're well aware of this reality. And they'll be keeping a close eye on several of these games this weekend. And then, of course, next Sunday. And like I said, by the time they kick off that game against Green Bay, hey, maybe there's a reason why the NFL left it in prime time, because it could become an extremely important game for playoff seating, which I never would have guessed in a million years just a couple weeks ago. Well, maybe for the Packers, <laughs> not for the yeah, Giants. Certainly yeah. not for the Giants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, maybe the Giants will make the, make the playoffs, Dan, and Dayball will be coach of the year again. And you know, we'll go from you know going well, into that Washington game a, a few weeks ago with Dayball yeah. on the hot seat to now him being coach of the year back to back. You know, that's yeah. We I, I, what the the wildest thing is is the Giants are are the exact same amount of games away from being the number one overall pick that they are to being the number seven seed in the NFC playoffs. It's it's crazy. The NFC is crazy this year, man. Yeah, so uh, can't rule anything out. We'll we'll revisit this next week. This will be maybe our main topic coming out of the bye. How about that? Yeah. The, the path I mean, listen, hey, for, for exactly, and for Giants fans who are are, are hearing all this and it's just you know a jumbled mess. Basically, this weekend, you want to root for the Panthers, you want to root for the Browns, you want to root for the Lions, and you want to root for the Chiefs if you want the Giants in the playoffs. If if that's not your jam and you want the Giants to have the number one overall pick. Well, in that case, just root for your team to lose, which I find to be one of the strangest things in the whole world. But there are plenty of fans out there who do it. But the reality is, again, three of those four teams face really tough games this weekend. They could all realistically lose. And if they do, who knows that, you know, the chase is on. Yeah, I, I agree with that, too. Um, on Sunday, I'm a, I'm a diehard Patriots fan. I was literally I know that loss helped the Patriots they are going to pretty much guaranteeing themselves now a top three pick. They might not win another game all year the way they're playing, but I was legitimately angry <laughs> that game, Dan, just because <laughs> the Patriots came off a bye. Belichick was dicking around with his quarterbacks all week. Who's the starter? Back Jones or Bailey Zappi? Who the freak? Who, who cares? Just put a quarterback <laughs> out there and run the ball. Uh, but anyway, let's leave it here. Give me one minute on Tiki Barber being a semifinalist for the Hall of Fame class of 2024. He's one of four running backs still in the running. Eddie George, Fred Taylor, and Ricky Waters as well. What do you think? Listen, I, I have long thumped for Tiki Barber to make the Hall of Fame. I understand that his exit from the Giants was unspectacular at best. You know, there was a lot of controversy with the Eli Manning commentary. That obviously came back to bite him in the rear end immediately within one year of that. Um, I'm glad the Giants obviously won that Super Bowl in 2007, but I did feel for Tiki, uh, given everything that he had given the franchise for as long as he did and for as great as he was to fall one season short of a Super Bowl win that would have guaranteed him, you know, Hall of Fame status. Yep. I, I think it's it stinks for him that it's taken this long for him to become a semifinalist. Um, he is more than deserving. He was one of the top backs in the league for four or five years. There was no question about that. Uh, he was a great runner. He was a great receiver. He was a great special teamer. He was a good teammate. He was a good leader. And he did wonderful things for the community. Um, he was everything that you want in a player, in a franchise staple. And his numbers stack up very well with those that are already in the Hall of Fame and those that are up for the Hall of Fame. The only knock on him is that he left the game a year early. If he didn't leave the game a year early, this wouldn't even be a question. But the bottom line is that Tiki Barber is the greatest running back in Giants history. 
He's one of the top 20 running backs of all time statistically, in almost every statistic, as a matter of fact. One of the greatest all-around combined running backs when you when you include the receiving and special teams in NFL history. And if you just go and look at his numbers and nothing else that the man did and nothing else that the man said, you cannot come back and say those are not Hall of Fame-worthy numbers based on who's up for the Hall of Fame and based on who's already in the Hall of Fame. You know, even when you compare those things, those numbers generationally, because like I said, for four or five seasons, Tiki Barber was unquestionably the best running back in the NFL, and he 100 percent deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's amazing. He's been out of the league for 18 years. I almost forgot it's been that long. And then you look back and you remember, oh, 2006 was his last year. Oh, man, that that is Dan. That is Painful. That is painful yeah. that he was one it year really, off. It that, does. One year off. That yeah. historical. I mean, that giant season because of what, what the Patriots are about to do will go down, and that that one will be talked about long after we're gone. Right. That's going to be one that, and mm-hmm. that Tiki would have been part of that. So for him yeah. to be out one year, the year before that, literally. Oh man, that is brutal. Yeah. That is so brutal. It, it, you, and, it hurts people, to think about that. Yeah, for it, what's worse is that people forget. They they so easily forget that. Barber left the game after his best three seasons. He was still trending upward when he stepped away from the game, when he stepped away from the game. He had three straight seasons of 2,100 yards or more from scrimmage. He was in the Pro Bowl all three times. He was earning MVP votes in 2005, people forget. You know, and again, this is a guy who finished with, you know, over 10,000 yards. He finished with, you know, 55 rushing touchdowns. He was a great player. You know, he added another 5,000 some yards through the air, even more through, you know, punt returns and kick returns. And he was just an all around great player. He just, he really was just a great player. And, uh, you know, it just, it kind of stinks that he missed out on so much. But, you know, again, I, I'll thump all day for Tiki. He 100% deserves the Hall of Fame. It's unfortunate that he left a year early and that, that really stinks that, that that's been held against him for so long at this point and that there are still Giants fans who just won't forgive him for his criticism of Eli Manning, which is ironic considering Giants fans drove Eli into the ground every single week to the point where we ran a weekly article called Poor Eli Manning, where we just compiled (laughs) quotes of fans just trashing the hell out of Eli. So, you know, it's time to move on from some comments that he made one time and just accept that Barber was a great NFL running back, a Hall of Fame NFL running back. A Giants fans only like one quarterback, and that's Tommy DeVito. <laughs> Other than yeah, that, they hate, they hate them all. You know, it's so funny because I say that to people all the time, like because this new generation is like they would never talk about you know Eli Manning the way I talk about Daniel Jones. It's like they talked about Eli Manning exactly the way that they talked about <laughs> Daniel Jones, and they did it to Kerry Collins before him, and Phil Simms before him, and Jeff Hostetler, and you could take it all the way back. It's just it's how it is being a quarterback in 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 New York is that everybody hates you until you're gone. Yep, it's so true. So, Dan, okay, great stuff as always, especially on the podcast on Giants Wire. You've hit the bye week. I hope you get some uh, a little bit of a break, my friend, and then yeah, get ready for this playoff push that we have coming much up next needed. week. It's, it's surreal that we had to wait 13 weeks for a bye week. Well done, NFL schedule that makers. Sucks. Tremendous yeah. job there. <laughs> the bye week in week 13 is brutal. It's brutal. But I hope, uh, I hope you and the crew get a little bit of a break, Dan. Uh, I, yeah. I do. Uh, just don't watch the Patriots. You know that this week. Yeah. Just don't do well, that. I don't know. I might watch the Patriots. I just want to see how <laughs> what kind of crazy interceptions this team throws. Oh, I'm sure right now Belichick's at the podium being like, oh, well, who's going to be my starting quarterback? Oh, you know. Yeah, we'll I, hear I don't about know. that. I don't sure. know. I don't know. We'll, we'll I, see. We'll have to see. Screw you, Belichick. Yeah, <laughs> it can't be way, back. I, 
I caught major, major heat for picking the Patriots to win that game last week. My buddy Dante was furious with me over that, like legitimately mad at me for making that pick. And uh, he really threw it in my face when, when New England missed a chip shot field goal to lose the ugliest game in the world. And yeah. I, I had to tell him, you know, don't be too excited because that was a, they both lost that game really. Yeah, really that was that was a brutal game. But yeah, that Patriots <laughs> kicker blows and uh he's a rookie. They drafted him <laughs> in the fourth round and they literally they had the they had a chance to just go score a touchdown, but they refused to I don't know, they played for a field goal that they can't make. It's like oh, Welcome to my world, Dan. Well, but. it's funny because actually when they lined up to kick that field goal, I was watching the game with my father, actually. And I said to him, I said, to him, I said the way this game is gone, he's going to miss this field oh, goal. Oh, 100%. Going into overtime. Oh, I, 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 you could feel it. I was like, there's no <laughs> chance he's making this. No chance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that yep. was. That's just, that's the kind, that was like the microcosm of what that game was. Our bad, Dante. There's, you know, and, and all my buddies too gave me so much crap for picking the Patriots. Uh, you know, I was. I saw the line moving before the game to four and a half. I was like hammering the pats. I thought they were going to win and lost some money on this one, Dan. So uh, never again, never, never again am I doing that. I've learned my lesson. I couldn't have, I, I couldn't have anticipated Mac Jones being that bad. No, I thought. I, I could. I mean, how could you? Like, I know he's been bad, but I mean, for people who criticize Daniel Jones, Mac Jones made Daniel Jones look like Joe Montana out there. I see he does. I, God, give me Daniel Jones. I've said that, though, for years. I would rather have Daniel Jones than Mac. Uh, but, you know, but Patriots, Patriots people will tell you, oh, go back to those joint practices between the Patriots and Giants back in, what was it, 2020 or something, 2021? Go back to those joint practices. Mac Jones outplayed Daniel Jones in those joint practices. Yeah, give me a break. Give me a freaking break with that. Uh, but anyway, Dan, in all honesty, good stuff as always. Hope you and the crew get a little break here. And uh, we'll be back next week with more. We'll talk about the Giants' path to the playoffs and all that. Looking playoffs. forward to it, my friend. Yeah, playoffs. <laughs> Cue the Jim Mara sound or Mora. Yeah. Jim Mora? Jim Mora, yeah. Uh, cue the sound. Uh, good stuff as always. We will all catch you all next week. Thanks again for joining us on the pod as always. See you soon. Yeah.